Hi, this is Dr. Gipsy and I'm here with my friend and Dr. Sardar. We are calling this first episode of our podcast, What We Talk About When We Talk About Medicine. Inspired from Murakami's book, What I Talk About When I Talk About Running, where he talks about how his journey of running was one of delayed gratification and how it changed him over the years. And I feel like the journey of medical education and how we become doctors follows a very similar course. So we're just initially going to start off by talking about why we wanted to do this podcast in the first place. So Dr. Stardust, why did you think that this project was important and why did you want to do it in the first place? I think that uh, it is it is really important that we, that we started a dialogue. I mean, uh, just give a space for, for people to talk about medicine, doctors, non-doctors. I think that if asked, doctors will have a lot to say about their lives. Their personal lives are not very often spoken about. We have difficult, we have odd hours, we, we have weird shifts. We have some problems which are quite unique to us in that uh, I think one of these is that we start earning very late in life. Like everybody else, we have responsibilities. We also have additional responsibilities being doctors. And sometimes they can those responsibilities become a burden. And then how do we deal with it? These are some of the things that I wanted to talk about. Also, you know, doctors have always been looked upon in with awe. But sometimes this has changed and they have been looked upon at with anger also. There is now this shadow of violence that comes in the current medical scenario. Yeah, with all the news of doctors being beaten up in various emergency rooms and casualties across the country. Yeah, so I thought that if we just started a conversation, it would uh, it would help, it would take us somewhere. Yeah, so that's a major part of why I wanted to start it. And But the reason I also wanted to start it was that I found that when... I came in contact with the people who are not doctors as part of my social circle or my friends, friends. If you told them, if they, when they ask you what you do and you tell them you're a doctor, instantly they say, oh my God, you're a doctor. And you are sort of put on some kind of pedestal. Even in on the floor in the emergency room, uh, I find that the downside of that pedestal is that you're expected to behave in an almost like a superhuman sort of way, which is actually not true because, you know, when like the podcast title is once the gloves come off in the end, the doctors are also humans and they have the same limits to their levels of fatigue and their ability to work a certain number of hours and they have mood swings, they have hunger pangs and they have an entire lives running in the background. They have spouses and siblings and houses to run uh, so i wanted to sort of bridge the gap between a medical professional and a non-medical professional and give an insight into what happens in a doctor's life without uh, glorifying it or trying to say that it's any better than any other profession i think every profession has its own you know place and uh, a lot of professions have really long hours but when you say that you're a doctor instantly people begin to treat you a little differently i just wanted to bring a little bit more empathy into how we how we treat doctors even as i mean even as professionals and we go to doctors how we treat them uh, is sometimes not how we would treat anybody who was in our lives on a normal basis we have a lot of complicated and 
important but very abstract issues to talk about but we wanted to start off with the journey that medical school is and the education that we go through and how when we start off when we enter medical school we're just about 18 years old and uh, mm. we enter with sort of idea that we are going to become doctors you know it's not just uh, what do you want to do we, i want to study to become an engineer i want to study and do an mba it's like you want to become a doctor you want to change lives you want to uh, help people and how even by the middle of your med- medical school you already forgotten these ideals that you started with and mm-hmm. your uh, which is not a bad thing it's just that your mm. goals itself have evolved and your medical education has yes. influenced your goals and how you look at the science right mm. and uh, your since your goals have evolved you also look at it differently and you forget what you started off with and it becomes more about the application of science and then that changes further towards the end of your medical education and by the end i mean towards the end of those 5 years because i don't think medical education ever ends you know with this evolution of your personality by the time you are 23 24 there's no love lost for medicine but you definitely look at it in a different way I just yeah. want to want to uh, in- introduce our friend doctor who is another doctor and he's chosen to call himself Vaidya because Vaidya is doctor in Hindi. <laughs> doctor Vaidya I would like to ask you since you are you've just finished giving entrance exams and uh, you're the closest of all of, of the three of us to the whole med school journey what was your uh, transition like from school that is 12th standard or PUC to your first year of medical medical school what was what was that like and essentially what was your motivation to join medical college in the first place so why why did you join medical college so i still remember the days when it was my first day in my med school and i was just just had this mixed bag of emotions there was a sense of excitement there was a lot of nervousness there was a, there was a little bit of anxiety there were thoughts like you know are you up for this and there were a lot of reasons for those feelings because it's you know you're getting into a branch which is sort of very different very serious considered you know especially from the outside i you know a very serious branch and that that's so that's what it was like you know when you are just about to enter medicine and the reason why i wanted to do this was just one of those really common stereotypical reasons that i was someone who done well in his 10th standard and automatically your three choices get narrowed down to just one that is science and then eventually you mm. uh, sort of just get into mbbs because you you have those marks you have those mm. uh, marks that you need to get into a college so that's what it was those initial those initial few days when you are just about to enter dr stardas what was it like for you i just want to know why you joined medicine at all i think that i didn't really have ambitions or great dreams about being this this wonderful doctor or being this kind of doctor some people you know uh, even when they're small or even from school itself they know that okay they want to get grow up and be a doctor it wasn't like that for me my parents are doctors Uh, yeah. so that is is definitely an incentive i wasn't i wasn't forced into doing it but uh, seeing your parents do something and uh, being good at it makes you want to also uh, in part do it and as i think as we just said that having getting good marks in school in in our culture it is sort of an, an automatic sort of push 
towards medicine. So I think those were really the reasons for me joining too. Okay, so I've spoken to a lot of people and uh, they've told me about why they wanted to become doctors or what their motivations were. And I find that a lot of people, I mean, ended up joining medicine. They they seem to just fall into it, which is pretty uh, difficult mm-hmm. because it's not easy to fall into medicine. To be honest, I didn't want to be a doctor. I mean, I'm fortunate in the fact that I... I got into it and then I enjoyed it and I happened to find a calling in the speciality that I'm in which is emergency medicine but I, f- I felt like same thing when I was in my 12th standard I was getting pretty decent marks and because I was so clueless I had taken uh, physics chemistry maths and biology which was in itself quite a, a tough thing to do and I had uh, by default my father had said even if you don't end up doing it why don't you attend coaching classes uh, yes. and before my 10th standard post boards boards holidays was over I was already enrolled in a coaching class that was that was going to help me to study for entrance exams but I felt like uh, I when I when I came out to my dad and said that I want to do mass communications or journalism he his response was what are you going to do are you going to start writing for a newspaper after 12th standard because at that time it was you know either medicine or engineering and maybe maybe commerce uh, but humanity and maybe Mm -hmm. humanities was uh, I mean, sometimes can look down upon at my time when I was in school and, you know, people who didn't get the required marks for the ones who took humanities and then their careers Correct. seemed to be uh, floating somewhere and they were not really sure. Um, in mm-hmm. retrospect, uh, maybe if I had had the aptitude, I might have done well in mass communication. But now, I mean, where I am is, is great too. Uh, I joined medicine and I was fascinated by physiology and I and whatever was taught to me in, in the first year and it seemed to work out fine for me but I think that's a very lucky thing to happen because if you join medicine and you don't like it and you have to do it for the rest of your life it's a pretty miserable it's place to be but there are people who I've I've spoken to in the making of this podcast who have told me that they truly desperately wanted to become doctors from a very early age somewhere in fifth standard they would decide that after that initial phase of oh I want to be a truck driver or or, or a fighter pilot or something like that they just, they realize that they really desperately want to become doctors and then some of them are inspired by personal incidents like one of my friends uh, said that her grandmother was had a stroke and she was admitted in the hospital and um, she saw the things that they had to go through and how the long-lasting impact that it had on her, her entire family's life uh, and that's what made her decide to not just do medicine but also do neurology which is quite a big thing to decide when you're 18 because quite honestly I was pretty clueless at that time. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to make, move this forward and ask uh, Dr. Vaidya, what was the transition like from school to first year of medical college? And what did you feel about how you performed in your first year of medical school? So the transition was, uh, it was definitely very eventful. There was just, there were just things happening all the time. The life of a medical student is actually always, you know, very busy, very hectic very eventful there's not a lot of free time and you know the free time that you have is also spent in your college and you know it's probably done you you spend it doing something related to your academic course you know even today I feel there are a lot of stereotypes which are associated with a medical student there they are generally toppers in their schools just people who've just been performing well throughout their their schooling their academic life up until up until this point they're called 
they're called various names like scholar nerd padaku adarsh pacha etc i wasn't sure because you know i was never this stereotypical student and your first when you are you know when you when you get into your first year there is just this big jump where suddenly when you look at the human body through uh, you know when your point of reference in the human body are the organs for example you you know you talk about the heart and the kidney and the brain in first year it just shift to muscles and you know these complicated names like latissimus dorsi mm. and which are but uh, practically tongue tongue twisters in itself and a lot of like my yes. class, my friends ask me why can't you just say it's the backbone and why do you have to call it a vertebra so definitely you're faced with a lot of latin terms that you are not used exactly. to exactly uh, it's such a big jump it's quite overwhelming the first year is especially very very tricky overall mm-hmm. i feel like i could have done much better yeah i think uh, what you're saying is that it's a pretty steep learning curve that you have to climb in the first year and uh, yeah. yes. because by the time you reach your second year or third year or beyond your uh, initial medical education you have also grown up as a person and you always uh, all of us i think have looked back at it and said you know we could have done so much better but the by that time you are also used to the pace of learning and you're more used to that the steepness of that learning curve and you know that a lot you're of you oriented much better yeah you're oriented much better you know that things are going to be a, a steep curve and that you don't that get discouraged but was there a difference in your academic performance your marks when you came to first year and what did that do to your psyche because i had a conversation with yet another friend of mine who is also a doctor and let's call her dr ranga <laughs> dr ranga said that i mean she was one of the only people i spoke to quite a few people and she was one of the only few people to say that actually you know i did pretty well in school and then i did pretty well in college also in fact i think i did very well in college and i did better in college than i did in school but that's a pretty rare rare thing to happen because i think most of us come from like the first 10 ranks in school throughout and then we get into med schools and then suddenly there's a drop like you i personally barely cleared any of my internal exams in my first year and uh, it was just a relief and my aim was finally to just pass that first year another thing that uh, a doctor told me was that you would look around and you would see you know you would get a 60% or a, even a 40% after like real really intense study absolutely spending all your hours in your first year studying right that's all you do in first first mbbs but the fear is that if you don't clear the first year then you are given uh, what is called a, a drop year you have to drop 6 months and give give the exam again after 6 months and then for the rest of your medical yeah education medical you're school you're stuck without a batch you're stuck in what's called an odd batch <laughs> yeah and then the odd batch oh, is when you remain with and then it's a lonelier life yeah. because the odd batch always contains some 10 people and whatever is said and done though i would not judge anyone for not making making it in the first go because it's a very difficult climb you people still tend to say oh you're from the odd batch you know people still so, tend to look uh, down upon there's a negative connotation to it there's such a, uh, a drop in self esteem right because mm. if 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 you are uh, say a good student or a, or a, or a student who gets great marks in school that's part of who you are that is uh, what you identify yourself with in school and then you you move on to college and and you suddenly see about 180 other people also who have been good in their respective schools 
So obviously there are going to be people here who will score better than you, who will, some people who will be average and some people who will be below average. So it's, it's not going to be possible that all of you who are toppers are going to come out on top. But that being said, it's a bad blow to the self-esteem, self-esteem when it yeah. does happen. Yeah, and and most doctors say that. And also to add to Stardust's point, you know, I think people need to know that self-esteem for us uh, doctors at that age is very heavily linked to our academic performance because a lot of people till that point have spent their entire lives just, you know, they've just spent their entire lives trying to get into a medical college because that's how they identify themselves as, as good students. Yes. And a bad grade, an F on your paper, it can really affect you badly. It can really change the way you think, change the way you perceive, you know, the world around you. Yeah, Yeah. also you're 18. So you're basically impressionable to everything that's happening around you. You're in a new college environment. Uh, You know, suddenly you can, uh, you don't have to wear a school uniform. In my case, I had to wear it till 12. It's, It's a whole bunch of things that seem to overwhelm you. Uh, I I really want to talk about how anatomy affected us all and how volatile it was and how I still, I mean, after absolutely, literally a decade of learning that serratus anterior is a muscle and that it's supplied by the long thoracic nerve of Bell and it, 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 if it gets affected, it is, it causes a winging of scapula. It's still, if I don't study it for about six months, I... I, I, it's there in the back of my mind, but I'm still slightly unsure and I, I have to go back and recheck and make sure. Uh, and I'm always amazed by the people who manage to have all muscles at the tip of their tongue. They're, some people have a knack for anatomy, right? What was it like for you guys? Like, let's, let's ask Dr. Redia what it was like. Was anatomy easy for you as a subject or did you have to put some effort into it? I know some of us went, some of, some of my classmates actually fainted in the, when the first time we entered the dissection hall. Oh yeah. And I lost my sense of smell, guys. I have a certain degree of uh, anosmia, which is uh, inability to smell. Unless the smell is really strong, I cannot <laughs> smell it. So all the basil that I put on any pizza, uh, I, I have no idea what, what, what they're talking about when they say, oh, it's smelling really great. Because I don't have that. It's killed all my uh, olfactory cells in my nose, all the the formalin that the bodies and the organs were dunked in. So what do you think, what was anatomy like for you, Vaidya? I think there's always one guy in every batch who uh, faints in the anatomy dissection hall. That's correct. And yeah, so anatomy, I really uh, sucked at anatomy. I was just horrible at it. I had a really difficult time. I think I knew straight away in first year that anatomy is not my cup of tea. And I could just automatically, it just automatically closed a lot of future career options, which were heavily based in anatomy, like surgery, orthopedics, etc. So yeah, first year anatomy, it was definitely a nightmare. Had a very tough time clearing it, had a very tough time passing the anatomy exam. It still gives me nightmares. In fact, just six months, you know, a couple of months earlier when I was giving my entrance exams, anatomy was still the subject which scared me the most and which later on, unfortunately, affected the heavily anatomy-based subjects. Mm. So yeah, anatomy is is something that I want to just want to know the minimum basic which is required for clinical practice and not really have to study it again for an exam, definitely. 
that's a street that i don't want what about the books that you were asked to study from uh, dr stardust you said before we start we were when you were working on this podcast you talked about how you were advised to study from a certain kind of textbook and uh, dr vedya said that he wouldn't have trouble to st- starting studying a subject until you had done adequate uh, research and recce from all your seniors yeah. and from the professors that had come in and i remember that a lot of professors would tell us to study from what are known as standard textbooks or internationally authored textbooks like uh, to name a few uh, there would be guyton for physiology and there would be gray's anatomy and there would be a father gray and a and a baby gray and mm-hmm. you know you were asked to uh, study from that and uh, i had parents who were both doctors and i went to a private medical college so uh, i and all of my seniors were telling us to study from the famous bd chorasia but i was not allowed to bring these textbooks home and unfortunately i had to study or fortunately i had to study from uh, grays the baby grays and though it was really nice to study uh, from it was not very easy to give exams from these textbooks oh, yeah. they were not uh, like at all point wise or concise mm-hmm. amounts of information and as, as a result of that i would never finish my paper and not get good marks at all so uh, was it was it like that for you uh, dr sardas uh, what was it what was it like for you so i found anatomy incredibly difficult and challenging although i ended up scoring decent at it in my in my final exams but i think here uh, uh, what you said about textbooks is all true what uh, about both gypsy and where they said uh, all true we were i went to a college where it was considered cool to read the standard textbooks and uh, people would brag about it sometimes medical school is like that and no matter how much i think we tried to read the standard textbooks at least in some subjects we ended up reading the the guide versions or the simplified versions and and they help and i also think that what helps in some subjects is really your teachers so i i was fortunate enough that i had a few great teachers in anatomy and i i don't think that they that they helped make it simpler it's just that they really inculcated the desire to read more or the desire to learn more about it because one change that i think happens from your uh, from your school and your uh, 12th standard days to mbbs is that you learn that really nobody can teach you stuff you have to sit and learn it on your own you know yeah, you yeah. cannot sit in a classroom and at the end of it uh, know everything that there is to know about the subject the classroom will cover probably 5% of the subject yeah i think a good class was considered when you went to class and you heard them talk and you felt a little stupid because you realized how much more there was to learn and it sort of made you feel like going back home and opening the book and reading it yes and i mm-hmm. think the people who ended up doing really really well or at least not not necessarily marks wise but as good uh clinicians or good doctors were people who would immediately go back and read up more about what they were taught in class and there was yes. a little more retention associated with that so uh, i'm going to quickly go over to second year and the subjects that we had in second year were pathology microbiology was micro part of second year pharmacology yeah pharmacology and uh, forensic medicine uh, dr vedya you told me before the podcast that uh, you had a tough time with pathology and that sort of changed your uh, approach to how you studied medicine so yeah. can you tell us a little bit about that so pathology was this again it was another one of those subjects which has a steep learning curve mm-hmm. and you know you're just new to the subject you're not oriented properly 
with the basic terms and how the subject operates so you have a tough time adjusting also those those two was, pencils those blue and blue and pink we used to call it the vaccine yeah hemotoxylin and eosin and all those diagrams that were pink and blue and honestly yes. uh, if you don't have a good pathology teacher looking through that mi- those microscopes in that lab yeah. and seeing a lot of purple and blue and then identifying which part of the body that cell came from can be quite a challenge and i remember that uh, during uh, internal practical exams at least uh, the tutors used to be feel a little sorry for us and come out and tell us uh, which uh, which specimen was what because otherwise it was impossible to identify what was happening in uh, blue and green exactly exactly uh, it was just a sea of uh, pink and purple pink and, purple, and yeah. uh, you had to really rely on maintaining good relations with the mama or just someone who's been looking at it for uh, for a lot of years to for really about 40 understand years. yeah <laughs> for yeah. about 40 years and you know it was really important because uh, pass or pass or fail used to be dependent used to be dependent on uh, on on your correct identification so pathology was this huge subject this really intimidating subject and it was a subject i feel in which everyone did badly i remember my batch a lot of people and unfortunately you know myself included we scored really bad marks some of us were in single digits some of us were barely touching double digits and you know it was so bad this is an incident which happened where the second term after failing for the first term i actually doubled my marks and i still managed to fail that's how poorly we had all performed in pathology and eventually it just came down to i just came down to a place where i thought that you know what forget about mbbs forget about everything like my ultimate focus for the next couple of months is to just figure out how the hell am i going to pass pathology so a big chunk of second year was actually spent in just understanding and figuring out how to tackle this giant subject yeah so you're saying that your strategy essentially changed from already we are talking about how to pass exams rather than yeah. becoming a doctor right not i'm yeah. this is a non judgmental exactly. statement we we are not saying that's a bad thing but a lot of us went through this that instead of trying to become good doctors we tried to just pass exams and then it became yeah. how to pass the next exam and how to pass the next exam and we forgot that what we had come to do was to become good doctors not only did we not did we realize the change we we essentially forgot what our initial aim was quickly to go over the third year go over to the third year we 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 now call it it was called the honeymoon period but i know from uh, dr stardust previous conversation with me that a lot of people in her college said that third year was a time to really double down and focus on medicine on your final year subjects because in your final year it would become more and more competitive and you would have to start thinking about how to enter the game of the indian entrance exams and get a post graduate degree so already you were being prepared for the next exam Uh, in the third year we had this subject called uh, community medicine or preventive and social medicine and uh, i remember learning a lot about water fuel purification and how a water purification plant worked unfortunately in my medical college we didn't have such great stalwarts of community medicine which or at least they didn't know how to uh, teach or generate an inter- interest in our medical students of the importance of community medicine but i had a conversation with a friend of mine who is currently doing a post graduation in vascular surgery 
and uh, he went to one of the one of the colleges in which community medicine was given a lot of importance and they were taught how to practice medicine or what was the practical aspect of medicine in a primary care center let's listen to what my friend dr anakin has to say about his experience with learning community medicine at his college i really i really liked all my subjects in third year and i loved community medicine the most there was something about i think it was more to do with our department and the teachers that inspired us and the teachers that taught us in a way that really made community health stand out as a really important and integral part of training and how you always have to think about the others and not just the urban uh, situation that you're in i also like the practical approaches they had to things and you know they would teach you how to disinfect a well or uh, calculate how much bleaching powder is needed to disinfect water and things like that i felt these are really practical things that if you're a doctor say in a rural area or you're performing by yourself somewhere would be really important so i really like community medicine and i like third year the most I think that's pretty cool because I wish I'd been taught community medicine like that it would have completely changed my outlook towards medicine in general and would have helped me pursue the things that I later did in some rural areas and I wonder how many of us are taught preventive and social medicine like that how many of us are trained in a way that we think that it's a major part of our education I'd like to end the first episode what we talk about when we talk about medicine here. We've got a lot more to talk about about this journey and we have a whole bunch of things coming up so I hope you stay tuned. I hope you liked listening to what we had to say. I'd love it if you would reach out to me at glovesoffthepodcast@gmail.com. We're also on Instagram, we're on Spotify, we're on Apple Podcast. If you like what we have to say, please share and subscribe and Tell me what you'd like to hear and what your experience was like during medical school and whether you like community medicine or not. This is Dr. Gypsy signing off. See you in the next episode of Gloves Off the podcast by doctors for doctors and everybody else out there.